Thanks for joining us for Church Online this week. We really want Church Online to be a community, more than just content to be consumed. So do us a favor. The best way to get involved with this digital community is if you like, comment, share, do all those things with this service. If you have a specific prayer request, hit that prayer request button or send us a direct message. And one of our service hosts would love to connect with you and pray with you over your prayer request. This week has been a crazy week in our country. I feel like I say that a lot these days, but it has. We saw on Wednesday a rally turn into a riot in our nation's capital. Violence in the Capitol building. People that were even shot and lost their lives. I, it was just a crazy day. Let's pause for a second. Because I know it's really easy for all these big national news items to consume our day-to-day -day lives. And it's not that they're not important, because it's important. But we have to know what it is to live today in the life that we have. Not vexed by the anxiety of what may have happened a couple thousand miles away. But instead, living with intention and purpose today. We talked about it last week that we are a people called to follow Jesus together. That's what we are. We're a network of churches that are following Jesus together. And as we do that, I, I think it's really important for us to remember. It's easy to get distracted from following Jesus by some of these huge things that are happening in the world. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to pause. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for the incoming president. But we're also going to take a moment... And we're going to pray that our hearts and minds would be set at ease. Maybe the thing in your heart and mind today isn't even such a big national thing. Maybe it's something more personal, something that's going on in your family or in your world directly. We're going to pray. We're going to believe that, that the peace of God is going to meet you right where you're at, wherever you're tuning in from. So do me a favor. Right where you are, just take a deep breath. And let's clear our minds of the distractions and the worry and the anxiety. And let's pray as we prepare for today's message. Father, thank you. I thank you that you always hear us when we pray. You hear us right now. You hear us as we are in our homes and, and different places as we're tuning in for church online. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be with each one on the other side of this screen. That your power and your ability would be at work in their hearts and minds right now. Lord, we pray for our nation. God, we all know how divided we are right now. We all feel the tension in our bones. I pray that you would give wisdom and justice and righteousness to the next administration as they lead during a difficult time. I pray, Holy Spirit, for incoming president-elect Joe Biden. Lord, we pray that you would use him to be an arbiter of peace and justice and righteousness in our land. We pray, Holy Spirit, that during these moments you would speak to us, that you would set our hearts and minds at ease. And I pray, God, that you would... Be pleased with the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, we're in the midst of a bit of a series as we're talking about some of the things that help define us as a church. And we said specifically last week that we are a people that are following Jesus together. That's what it is, that the whole point of being a Christian is following Jesus. And in following Jesus, the whole point in following him is being with him. So today we're going to talk about what I like to call withness. Withness, it's that, it's that quality of being present with. Uh, it's kind of a made-up silly word, but I think it helps us to understand what it is to be somebody following Jesus. See, a lot of times we, we think that being a Christian is about having all the right doctrine or the right beliefs or being able to argue well what it is that we believe. But it's not. Though those things are not bad, they're not the point. The point is that being a Christian is about being somebody whose life is marked by a relationship with Jesus. So there are a few hurdles and a few obstacles that, that keep us from experiencing what it is to be a person of witness. And as we talk about witness today, I want to take a moment at the top here to look at one of the parables that Jesus told that'll help us to understand the heart behind witness and then help us to understand how to overcome probably the biggest obstacle in witness so that we can then learn what it is to live with God. Today, the, the, the parable that I wanna share with you, it's out of Luke chapter 15. And you might be familiar with this one. This is a parable we call the parable of the prodigal son. That's the traditional title for it. The thing is, I don't know that that's a great title for the parable, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's a story about a father who has two sons. So let me tell it to you. So there's a father. He's wealthy. He's a farmer, a rancher. He's got all this land and cattle and, and all these animals, farm crops everywhere. He's very wealthy. He's very successful. He has two sons. One day, the younger son comes to his father he says, Dad, give me my half of the inheritance, which is essentially like looking at his dad and saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Could I have what's coming to me? He's unhappy with his father. He has this perception about his dad that he doesn't want anything to do with him. He wants to put distance between him and his father. And he goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I, I don't want to be here. I don't want anything to do with you. Give me my half of the inheritance. And in a strange turn of events, the father gives him his half of the inheritance, gives it to his younger son. And the younger son, he takes his half of the inheritance. Now he's a, a rich young kid, which is usually not a good combination, right? Being a rich young kid is, is usually not a great combination. It's, it's usually a combination for disaster. And that's what it becomes. That young kid, he takes all that money and he goes and he wastes it. He parties it away. He drinks it away. He, he, he just goes and lives the most debased life so badly that eventually... He wastes all the money, and he ends up getting the only work that he can, helping feed slop to a bunch of pigs. Now, you got to understand, Jesus is telling this parable in the first century to a bunch of Jewish people, and as he's doing that, when he said that he was so bad off he was feeding slop to pigs, that's about as bad as it could be, because pigs are unclean animals, and if you're feeding slop to them, you're a part of their uncleanness. This kid is unclean. He doesn't belong in the community. And he's so bad off. He's so hungry. He's so poor that as he's feeding the slop to the pigs, he's looking at that slop and it's, I mean, you gotta be pretty hungry. He gets to this point where he sees that slop and he wishes that he could have it to eat for himself. 
And then it dawns on him. The servants in my father's house, they've got it better than I do. They get three square meals a day. The guys working in my dad's field, they get a better wage than I do. They get three square meals a day. They get taken care of. My dad treats them well. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to beg him to let me just be like a slave in his household. Even that would be better than this situation. So the younger son, he starts heading home. And when he's a ways off still from the house, the story goes that the dad sees his son far off, and he begins to run to him. And as he's running to him, I can only imagine what's going through the mind of the younger son. You know, is dad going to hit me? Is he mad at me? I don't know what's going to happen. And he sees his dad come running to him. He sees his arms open up and he starts to maybe hide away from his dad. But dad doesn't slap him or hit him. Dad's not angry with him. He embraces his son. He celebrates saying that my son that, that we thought was basically dead to us, he was never going to come back. He's here, he's alive, he's home. He calls over one of his servants and he says, hey, go get, go get him a brand new robe. Let's dress him in the finest clothing and, and get the family ring and put it back on his finger. My boy is home. Hey, get the fattened calf, slaughter it. We're having a barbecue tonight. We're inviting all the neighbors, all your friends, have everybody come over. We're gonna celebrate the fact that you're home. And so they begin the great celebration and all day long working for his dad was the older brother. We haven't really talked much about him yet. The older brother is coming in from the fields. He's been working all day on the harvest. And as he's coming in from the fields, he hears the party going on at the house. Not sure what's going on. He, he gets there and he sees they're barbecuing, people dancing, there's laughter, what's going on? And he calls over one of the servants and says, what, what's happening? He says, your brother, your younger brother, he's home. And your dad wanted to celebrate that he's home. The older brother was so upset. He won't go into the party. His dad comes out to him, son, why won't you come to the party? Come on, we need to celebrate. Your younger brother's here. He was dead and now he's alive. That's the way it feels. Let's celebrate the fact that he's here. And the older son looks at his dad. He says, dad, I've stayed with you all this time. I work for you. I work hard for you. I do all these things just so that I can do it the right way. And as I do all that, you haven't even given me like a small goat to, to have a little barbecue with a couple of my friends. Dad looks at his older son. And he says these words from Luke 15, 31. He says, son, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. You are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. See, we call this story typically the parable of the prodigal son. But it's not just about that prodigal son, that younger son that goes off and wastes his dad's money. It's not even a story that's only about the older son. It's not even a story that's just about the dad. This is a story about perception. It's a story about perception. And I believe that perception is the biggest hurdle in withness. If you want to get close to somebody, you want to get close to God, then your perception of God needs to be corrected. See, some of us have a perception of God that's like the younger son. I don't want anything to do with you. I can't stand you. You're always telling me what to do. Let me live my life. I'm going to do it better on my own. I don't want anything to do with this God. Perception's off. Dad didn't have rules for his son because he didn't love his son. Dad wasn't trying to drive his son away. Dad was trying to show his son a better way of life. 
Or some of us have a perception like the older son. I have to work hard to earn your love. I have to work hard to get in your good graces. I do all this work and it never seems like it's going to be good enough. It's the wrong perception. The perception of one is I want distance. The other perception is I have to earn your love. And listen, the problem with both of these perceptions is that the figure in this story is not some tyrant. He's a father. And all that he wants is to be with his sons. Did you catch it from the verse? You are with me always. And everything I have is yours. You don't have to earn anything. If you're with me, then then everything I have is yours. You know, God has all kinds of goodness for you. He has peace and joy and love and and self-control. He has all these things for you. But you got to get over your perception of God. It was Tozer that said that what we think about God could well be the most important thing about us. What you think about God says a ton about who you are. And your perception needs to shift. God is not sitting up in heaven waiting for an opportunity to judge you. And God is not sitting up in heaven trying to make sure you do just enough good for him to bless you. God is a father. He's a good father who has good intentions for his kids. It's his goal, his intention for you that you would experience withness, that everything he has would be yours just because you were with him. So when we overcome perception, how then do we practice withness? I mean, what does it look like to be a person that is with God? Because listen, it's, it's one thing to kind of get this mental picture of, okay, God wants me with him. Jesus wants me with him. If Jesus wants me with him, then what do I do to be with him? Well, there are a few things that you can do, but I, I, I just, I want to highlight one of them today. It's prayer. See, we make prayer really complicated sometimes. We think that prayer has to be fancy and it has to be the right eloquent words or, or it has to be the right formula of behaviors and practices. We think that prayer requires that somehow we are already in a good state of mind or heart. I can't pray if I'm angry. I can't pray if I'm upset. I can't pray if I'm filled with with passions. I, I can't pray. Listen, prayer is intended for you to be able to come to God. Listen, I know some of us, we say, well, I've tried prayer and it didn't work. I think maybe you thought of prayer the wrong way. If you're thinking of prayer and you're saying, well, it didn't work for me, it might be that you're thinking about prayer the wrong way. See, sometimes we think that prayer is, I go to God with my list, and then it's up to God to do with my list as I think God should do with my list. That's not what prayer's about. Now, can you go to God with requests? Absolutely. Does God answer your prayers? Certainly, in accordance with his will. But prayer is more than that. Prayer is more than asking God to do things. Prayer has to start with honesty. You see, prayer is a conversation. Now, I use that word conversation loosely, but I want it to give us the right kind of image. I use the word conversation because conversation is a two-way street, right? 
Like this right now, this isn't a conversation. This is a lecture. This is, this is a sermon. This is one direction. A conversation has give and take. Conversation goes back and forth. And when you pray, it's the same way. Prayer is conversation. And so if prayer is going to go anywhere, it's going to require honesty. God, I don't really feel like praying right now, but I am. That's honest. God responds to honest prayers. God, I'm really upset with them. God responds to honest prayers. God, today has been so good. I am so joyful. God responds to honest prayers. You don't have to put on pretense or pretend that you are in some elated state of mind just in order to pray. In fact, I think sometimes we use that as an excuse to not pray. I couldn't possibly pray right now. I'm too overcome with temptation. God wouldn't want me to pray the way that I am. No, no, prayer. God hears you when you pray. It's a conversation. And good conversations only happen when we're honest. So you got to be honest with God. I feel like this is something I've been learning in new ways in my own prayer life. To just be able to express to God exactly what I'm thinking. If I'm overwhelmed, I tell God I'm overwhelmed. If I'm, if I'm full of gratitude, I tell God that I'm full of gratitude. Whatever it might be, to just honestly name the thing that's happening inside of me is a practice of prayer. And to present that thing to God is a practice of prayer. Honesty is important. The other thing that's going to make your prayer life more significant is regularity. Regularity. If, if you only pray every once in a while, then yeah, prayer is always going to feel hollow to you because you haven't built up a good rapport. See, it's a conversation. And not everyone has the ability to just jump into a conversation and feel like they can just say whatever they want to say. Sometimes it takes practice. Sometimes we've got to get comfortable with the person we're talking with. We begin to learn one another's rhythms. Yeah, I've got these friends that, that came through the area recently. They're missionaries in, in West Africa. I actually met them in West Africa. And it's funny, they've been married a long time, Brent and Shelly. And um, Brent and Shelly both like to talk. Like, they've always got something to say. And it's always something good to say. They're fun to listen to. But Brent and Shelly... They've learned, they've figured this out, and it's just the funniest thing to me. Brent will be talking, and in the middle of his sentence, Shelley will take over the sentence, and she'll be talking, and then Brent will come back in, and he'll can, and they just kind of keep talking over each other, saying the same thing, but, but building the conversation that way. That took time to develop. I'm sure there have been times in their life where they thought, I'm cutting the other one off, because I know I've done that in conversations with people. Listen, you want prayer to become meaningful for you? It's a conversation. Make it honest and make it regular. Do it something, do it as something that's a regular part of your practice. More than a, than a, a rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, yay God kind of moment. Turn it into something significant. And then, as you really dig into prayer, Begin to understand what prayer is. Prayer moves to presence. It moves us into a place of presence where we begin to experience and understand what it is to be filled and surrounded by the presence of God. That's withness. That's togetherness. Presence is what we're, what we're striving towards. Because here's the deal. 
the more time that you are in the same presence as someone, like the more time that you're actually with them, the more that you become like them. And see, that's the goal here. The goal of withness is likeness. See, as we're following Jesus, the goal is to be with him. Because in being with him, we become like him. And if we're like him, then we begin to do the things that he does. We begin to practice what Jesus taught us to do. It's withness that leads us into likeness, that leads us into practice. Withness, likeness, practice. That's what we're called towards. That God is working in us and among us. So if you want to be with him, you want to practice withness, I would encourage you to start to develop a regular, honest time of prayer. And as you do, you will begin to experience presence. Now, sometimes that means that, that you'll feel the presence of God. And other times it means that you will feel nothing at all. And that's okay. Because something can be present without you ever knowing that it's there. God can be present without you ever really realizing that he's there. But what prayer will do for you is heighten your awareness that you are living in response to his presence. His presence that allows you to grow in his likeness. That would help you to begin to practice the things that Jesus said and did. Listen, Jesus wants you to be with him. Period. He wants you to be with him. He doesn't care where you've been or what you've done. If you feel like that younger son who's wandered off all on your own, Jesus wants you with him. He's like the father waiting for you to come home to embrace you. Or maybe you feel like you've been in church your whole life. You've always done it the right way. Or maybe you just feel like, you know, I'm a really good person. I feel like I've done it the right way. But stuff just doesn't seem to be going the way that I want it to. Listen, don't go all older son on us here. You don't have to earn God's love. Jesus wants to be with you. Set aside your perceptions of him and open your heart to him. Maybe today you want to cross that finish line of faith. You, you want to step over the line and say, you know what, it's time for me to be somebody that's following Jesus. You're telling me that Jesus wants to be with me in spite of me. Jesus wants to be with me. In spite of everything that I've been and done, Jesus wants to be with me. Even though I feel like I've tried my best, Jesus wants to be with me? Yeah. We like to say that coming to Jesus is as easy as ABC. A, you have to admit. You have to admit that, that you can't save yourself. You have to admit that maybe you've been that prodigal who's been running from God. Or you have to admit that you've been like that older son who's trying really hard to earn the approval of others and God. You have to admit. You have to admit that you can't fix it yourself. You have to admit that there's not enough self-help in all the world to help you because if yourself is what's broken, then yourself cannot truly help you. B, you have to believe. You have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You have to believe that Jesus can do what he says he can do. That he is willing to forgive you. He's willing to accept you. He's willing to bring you home into his family. And C, you have to choose. 
You have to choose to follow Jesus. Following Jesus is not something that happens on accident. We like to say that we're called to be active followers of Jesus, that it, it engages us, that following him is something that requires our active engagement. Admit that you need him, believe that he can save you, and choose to follow him. If that's you, if you want to follow Jesus, and, and listen, maybe you're somebody that says, man, I, I'm coming back to God, or you're somebody that's saying, man, this is the first time I've ever thought about doing something like this, but yes, preacher, I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, I want to lead you on one simple prayer, a simple prayer that, that opens our hearts and begins the conversation with God, a conversation that'll begin today and will stretch on through all of eternity as you practice his presence and get to know him. One simple prayer. Pray it with me. Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. Jesus, I give you my life. The instant that you open your heart to him, the instant you give your life over to him, he'll take your life and he'll begin to reshape it and remold it and he gives you a whole brand new life. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, do us a favor, either click on that raised hand icon or, or drop into the comments or, or send us a direct message and let us know that you just prayed that prayer. We would love to connect with you and pray with you and help you as you take your next steps in following Jesus. Now listen, I wanna challenge you. This week, set aside time regularly. Like put it in your calendar, put it on your schedule. What time each day you're gonna take some time this week just to pray. Because again, prayer without regularity is gonna feel empty. Make it a regular practice.